to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Please enjoy this message and visit our website if you should find yourself in our neighborhood at angelofjoy.org. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We are very familiar with the story about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and we've heard recently about the Uh, We've heard about the little girl who had died and was raised from the dead. This is probably the least of the resurrection stories that we hear where Jesus had given life back to someone. And because it probably has the least details and is kind of obscure, uh, we kind of gloss over it. But, But I think it's here for a reason. And uh, so let's begin by putting ourselves on the outskirts of that village of Nain, observing the scene that's being played out before our eyes. Perhaps we first noticed the noisy crowd that was going toward the village with the charismatic and handsome young man in the lead. The people seem happy to be there. They're excited and smiles are prevalent They seem to be moving forward with a purpose. Then there is coming out from the other direction a rather different crowd. It's a group of mourners, a funeral procession. And while no funeral is a joyous occasion, here the sadness was especially bitter because the man who had died left his mother who is already a widow, behind. On top of the grief and shock of losing her only son, now she had no one to take care of her, no husband and now no son. Once again, our eyes are drawn to that other group, the first one, and we know who it is that's leading them. You know, it's Jesus himself. He was traveling with a crowd that had surely seen some of his miracles at least, and in all likelihood they were impressed with his preaching and his teaching. Truly, you could see from the joyous nature of the crowd that there was something very attractive about this man from Nazareth. They really liked him. And they were willing to go a long way with him to let him lead them. Pretty unique. You see, he was more than just an itinerant preacher. There were legends about the prophets of old who did some pretty amazing things, including some resurrections too, as we heard this morning just a few moments ago. Maybe Jesus was another one of these prophets, you know, cast in the same mold at least. But perhaps he was even more than this. Maybe, just maybe, he could be the Messiah himself, the one that had been 
promised and handed down from generation to generation and the legends and the the sermons and the promises and the dreams of the people. The one who would set Israel free, set the world on its ear. The one who would redeem all humankind and usher in eternity. Could he be the one we've been waiting for? Signs are pointing that way, but, you know, we've been disappointed before. But no, there's something unique about this one, this Jesus of Nazareth. In any case, those people were clearly caught up in a joyful spirit. They were happy. There is a distinct lightness in their walking, almost dancing. And you can see their eyes lit up with a spirit of expectation. And once again, we gaze toward that dreary funeral cortege carrying the corpse toward the cemetery. There is no joy or lightness afoot. It is a procession of sad resignation. Soon their task will be completed, and they will go back to their everyday lives, eking out a dreary living until, well, until the next funeral. The woman, the bereaved mother, was a triple whammy for her. She had no husband, and in that culture, a wife depended upon her husband, both for her livelihood, the means of providing a home and meals and clothing, status in the society. But at least she had a son, an only son, and now he was gone too. There was no one left, no social status, no protector, no reason for living herself. Now, if the son was young or not married, this woman would not have a daughter-in-law either or any grandchildren, and there's no mention of them. And now, having first buried her husband and on the way to bury her son, this woman had lost everything. Indeed, a sad, forlorn group. But something changes that. At Nain, on that day long ago, life crashes into death, and life wins. We remember other times when a grieving person bids Jesus come and restore their loved one to health, to raise them from the dead, if possible. But this time, I don't know if you've noticed, but this time, nobody approached Jesus. Nobody asked him, please do something for me. Please raise my son. He is simply moved by his own observation and his sense of compassion. It was totally unexpected. There was no hope in that other group. And so we find ourselves watching two radically different groups of people that coincidentally find themselves in the same place at the same time and yet and yet going in completely opposite directions one with a lively spirit of curiosity and expectation, the other with a pall of 
gloomy duty and hopelessness. As we heard in the reading of the gospel, these two groups meet outside the steps, meet outside, and and Jesus steps forward. Now, always a man to defy expectations and to confound tradition, Jesus approaches the stranger in the casket, and I'm sure the people were thinking, what the devil is he doing? What is Jesus about to do? Why is he going over there and touching the casket? Yeah. It says in the gospel that Jesus actually touched that funeral beer, which would have made a good Jew ritually unclean. You could almost see people backing away from Jesus. Whoa. This is going too far, Jesus. Be careful what you're doing. And then, miraculously, he raises the young man from death who sits up and starts talking. Oh, I wish I knew what that young man was talking about, don't you? That'd be something to hear. We just have to let our imagination take us there. And certainly the mother who suddenly, in an instant, just like that, went from abject grief to exuberant joy. Wow. We can see the glow in her eyes, the disbelief on her face. But it was true. Jesus restored what was lost, and in an instant he set all things right again. This is more than a miracle, however. The miracles of Jesus as we know from our own experience, are always for Jesus' teaching moments. They're calling cards that point to who he is. In this case, the people who saw the miracle began to interpret its meaning. First, they thought, well, he could very well be a prophet, just like old Elijah or Isaiah or one of them. Maybe people will be talking about this moment eons into the future about this great prophet. Or maybe through this Jesus, God has visited the people. Maybe there's a holiness that we can't see that's come into our lives. Wow. That's the big W word. Wow. God is with us. We've heard that before, haven't we? Emmanuel, the name of Jesus when he was born. God is with us. And indeed he was. But did they know and hear and believe the prophetic message that Jesus spoke? Could they understand what he was trying to tell them, that God was doing more than just performing miracles, that he was redeeming them, that he was claiming them and forgiving them and making them new in heart and soul? We must also read and interpret the miracles of Jesus with the rest of the New Testament in mind. And you have to understand, there was no New Testament in those days. They were, it was being written in their lifetime, day by day. It was coming into being. They had no books of the Bible except the Old Testament. We know who Jesus was. We know where this story is going. And we know how history is to unfold before us. 
the same Jesus who raised that little girl from the dead and raised the young man, Lazarus, and now this young man without a name? We know what it's all about because we get to view this miracle in light of the cross and the empty grave that we're all too soon to come. You see, on a hill outside Jerusalem, we call it Calvary. It's also known as Golgotha, a place of execution of shame and abandonment of torture and death. On that hill, death would be put to death. And in a cemetery on a bright Sunday morning, resurrection, new life, victory, It was there that another widow's son would come to life and with him would come the promise to you and me. St. Paul says, we were buried therefore with him, with Jesus, by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life didn't say walk in newness. It said newness of life. You see, we have been given life. Eternal life's already started for you and me. Happened a long time ago when we became children of God through Jesus Christ, through baptism, through affirmation of baptism. We are children of God, and life is our heritage. It's our destiny. It's our present. And it's going to get better. Each day as we return to those waters of repentance and faith, again, life and death kind of crash into each other. And each time, by the grace of God, life wins. Just as Jesus touched death on the outskirts of that little town of Nain, so does he come to touch you this day. He's touching you not as a stranger, not like a ship passing in the night, but as his own dear friend. Now, I should note that there was another group of sorts at Nain that day. We didn't hear about them. That group was comprised of the ones who were oblivious to all that was happening. They were in their homes, their shops, the marketplace, in the fields. They were the ones that were busy doing their own thing, minding their own business, and by their absence were not aware of the miracle that was happening. So it is also in our world, even in our own town today. There are those for whom life has turned dark and lonely and sad, but they are near to being touched by the Lord of life. The door may be unlocked, and if it is, the Lord of life may enter. And there are surely those who are walking with him, delightedly waiting for the next exciting thing that Jesus is going to do. And I do so hope that you and I are in this group. Not a group of hopefulness so much as a a group of saying, 
Now's the time. And he's going to do it. Let's watch and see. But of course, there are those for whom Jesus is of no concern whatsoever. They have their own agendas and dreams and pleasures, and they may never find it in their hearts to look in Jesus' direction even for a moment. I do pray, though, that they will before it's too late. And don't we all? Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.